Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Kicking off hour number three with maybe uh, a guest who has the coolest story that we're going to chat with today. We'll see. We have an hour to go, but it's going to be hard to beat Nate Boyer. Who joins us? Uh, United States Army Green Beret, NFL player, and everything in between. Outkick 360 from Radio Row in Los Angeles. Good to see you, Nate. Good to see you, too. How, How are you doing? Yeah, we're great, man. You were born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. That's I right. suspect from your bio you didn't stay that long. <laughs> no. I think I was uh, maybe two years old. My dad was going to veterinary school at University of Tennessee, the other UT. I went to Texas. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, I went to University of Tennessee, yeah, you're so you're, you're the other uh, yeah, UT to right, me. Yeah, yeah, well, we got the better orange. You know, you but, guys got that pinkish. I agree with that. We'll settle it in the SEC battle <laughs> yeah. soon to come. But I do poll for Tennessee, actually. But, I, yeah, I was born there, and my mom was working at Oak Ridge National Lab. She's an engineer. He predicted that. Yep. Wait, what? That I, saw, working, I saw that you were from engineer? Oak Ridge, and we were, we were researching you. And I said, I guarantee you that one of his parents worked at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Wow. And then I went and I saw your mom was an environmental engineer. I said, right. yep, that, cool. I didn't even have to read anything else. That, that's where they were. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, and that's true. Uh, and, and then we, you went to California? Yeah, we moved to the Bay. My dad was a, a racehorse veterinarian for, God, 35-plus years at that's Golden cool. Gate Fields, which is like the only year-round racetrack on the West Coast. So that brought us out to California. And, uh, you know, I stayed here mostly besides military and stuff like that. What got you in the military? Well, 9-11 got me thinking about it first, but I didn't join right away. It took, um, it took a couple of years for me to kind of figure out if this was the right thing for me because I didn't really grow up thinking that I would do that, you know. Um, and I ended up doing some relief work over in, in uh, the Darfur region uh, near, in Sudan, like Sudan and Chadian border of Africa. And um, I just, after... <sighs> After meeting those people and, and, and feeling like I wanted to fight for people like that, uh, and then as the war went on, I mean, this is very early on in the war, after we, it was 20 years long at the end of it, but uh, I, I listening to the second battle of Fallujah when I was over there on the, on the BBC network, and I was just like, man, I, I, I feel like I should be a part of that. And so I came back home and, you know, and signed up and found out about the, the Army Special Forces, the Green Berets, that there's a bit of a humanitarian piece to that work, and it just kind of fit. Uh, with what I wanted to do, uh, and, or who I wanted to be, I should say. Well, how much perspective does it give you when you train to be a Green Beret and you accomplish that, and, and comparing that to football training, you know, for, <laughs> for instance, and just how much, I guess it brings some levity to it, right, when you're playing a game, and a lot of people don't look at it that way, and you have that perspective yeah. of real-life stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt playing, even at the college level, is playing football is very challenging you know you have to you have to work your butt off unless you're just an absolute animal as far as an athlete goes and I am not I'm a good athlete but I was never a great athlete I'm not I mean as you guys see I'm not very big so uh you know finding finding a thankless job on the field like long snapping fit me um but yeah as far as the training goes and the conditioning 
not that it was easy. It's never easy, but when you have been through what you've been through in, in special forces training or probably any type of military training, you just kind of have that confidence. You, you know your body's limitations are um, a lot broader than maybe most people realize. And so when you're feeling that little bit of pain, it's, it's just it's not that big a deal. You know what I mean? It's more about the mental side of things and just kind of uh, persevering and, and being relentless and, 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 and understanding that if I just outwork everybody, at some point I'm going to get a shot here. And, uh, you know, I can't control the results here, but just keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, at the highest level, and, and, and I'll get that chance. Dave Boyer, our guest on Radio Row, um, I believe you served over a span of six years in Iraq and Afghanistan. I, I view it uh, from the outsider as being similar. Are they vastly different assignments? Oh, Iraq versus Afghanistan? Yeah. They, they, are, they are, well, there's similarities and differences. Um, the cultures are, uh, can be very different. Um, the terrain can be very different. Uh, but, you know, a deployment... And it, and it also just depends on where you go. If you're in an urban environment versus a rural environment, you know. But Afghanistan is so unique in the sense that, you know, they've never really been conquered, you know, for that for for throughout history. I mean, you go back to like Alexander the Great, and then you know, today. And it's not like that was our intent. The, the America, we didn't go over there to to take over Afghanistan and you know set up a settlement there. Or something that was right. the intent. It was to we were. We were fighting alongside Afghanistan, the country of Afghanistan, alongside the Afghans. And um, I'd say one of the the major similarities is the challenges with the lack of resources those people have, you know, and the cultural differences. I mean, it's it's vastly different than the way of life in America. And and when you look at religion and um, and just what we consider status quo and the norms, I mean, that's so that's so, so different. And, And Iraq and Afghanistan have differences among you know themselves in that way also but um i don't know it, it probably just dep- depends on who you talk to and, and their experience on those deployments when i was in iraq i was in the city when i was in afghanistan i was in the country so uh the, you know the mission the missions were very were, were different for sure but um they feel it f- felt the same that deployment it's a grind you know either way how did you feel uh, about our ultimate exit from uh, Afghanistan and does it, does it leave a hole yeah. in, in, in you and your colleagues when the mission's not accomplished so to speak yeah it's tough uh, because we do we do what we can you know and we can only control so much and and a lot of us would still like to be there and still like to, to have the opportunity to try to finish that job but it's so generational can't stay when, forever too yeah right? when you're trying to um and there's a lot of people in those countries that want to develop, that, that want uh, to experience some of the freedoms we get to experience there. But a lot of the people in power and, and the people that kind of run those areas, they don't. Because, you know, if we keep people uneducated, if we keep them oppressed, we stay in power. And so that's, that's tough because you're fighting against that. And, and, uh, and, and what's important, feeling like what's important in life. We have a lot of differences in, in America, what's, you know, what's important and valuable to us. Um, beyond just like family and stuff like that professionally or whatever versus what's important there it's it's vastly different and and you know when you go over there and and the idea is like we want these people to be able to choose for themselves and they're diverse in their own right about what they think right is it's just it's very complicated and but when you look at what happened when we left iraq and you know with isis and everything for me it was like 
I, I felt like we, we should have maybe at least tried to keep a smaller contingent of special operations uh, warriors over there just to have that presence, continue to train, advise, assist, and, and maybe over generations things start to change. But, you know, I'm not in charge. <laughs> when Colin Kaepernick started his protest, you reached out to him and spoke to him. How did that conversation go, and what were you trying to convey to him? Yeah, they, I mean, the conversation went went pretty pretty well, actually. I, I'd, I'd written an open letter uh, through the Army Times uh, just talking about, this is my experience, uh, why the flag and the anthem mean so much to me. Because at the time, he was, you know, he was sitting on the bench um, during the anthem, and he said he didn't want to stand for the flag of a country that oppresses black people and people of color. And I felt differently about... Uh, those symbols, you know, uh, they mean something different to me because of my experience. But at the same time, like I, for me to pretend to know what it's like to be you know, a, a person of color in America or anywhere else, I thought was kind of ignorant. So I'm like, I, I only know what I know, and I'm not going to pretend to know or, or, or uh, have experienced what you've experienced. Um, but I have a lot of pride in those symbols because of what they meant to me. I carried my best friend in a in a box, you know, draped in that in that flag, and that. That's going to be with me forever. I'm never going to forget that. Um, and I got reached out to by Fox News and also CNN and MSNBC. Come on and debate this thing, you know. And I'm like, I don't, that's not going to help anything. So I wrote an open letter. Um, he ended up reaching out. He was inspired by it. And we sat down and had a conversation. And through the conversation is when he decided to take a knee alongside his teammates versus uh, sitting on the bench. And so I thought that was... I thought that was a step forward, and a lot of people disagree, and that's totally all good. Uh, but it's it's one of those things that still today we're talking about, and um, I think the conversation has evolved, and, and we, we, we are coming together slowly but surely as a country. Um, but, you know, we always find things to divide over, whether it's COVID or, uh, always or, something. The, or the flag or what, you know, and, and, and so that's frustrating. I think especially as a veteran, that's very frustrating because we're, we're fighting for everybody. Did you take a three-hour Uber as part of that? I did. I did. What, what was the cost of that back then? <laughs> Colin picked it up, so I don't know. That's where I was headed. So what did the driver think whenever they plugged that address in? <laughs> well, it was it L.A. to San trip. Diego, but it was in, you know, it was in rush hour. Oh, so okay. It was tough, yeah. <laughs> I, it was like, I, I saw on YouTube someone, you know, you get in these little wormholes, as I call it, Nate, and you start watching these videos. There was a guy who uh, put a put a put uh, an Uber in to drive across country and the guy showed up and just it was all in film just wanted to see if the guy would take him and he did <laughs> and he, and he did and the so country? they they documented the whole thing and they stayed in like hotels and stuff or he just kept going yeah i mean they would stop you know every night and stay somewhere that's, wow that's get funny. a fair back the, the return trip is the thing i always wonder about amazing so you're doing some acting now too um and directing bit. yeah you yeah. look like an actor by the way when walking around like yeah you don't look like a professional football player no offense well, you, you you look the part of, of an actor i lost yeah, yeah i don't yeah. think i ever um, really looked like a professional football player yeah you, you had a role in mayans we had two actors on from mayans yesterday edward oh, nice. james almost being one of them he's a, he's a um, great guy how's it going well what what is it, it it's such a, a diverse life that you've lived with green beret nfl and now acting how's this phase going uh, it's 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 going pretty well. I mean, I I really want to I want to I want to tell stories. I want to make movies. Uh, I, it's something I've been interested in for a long time, and and now is I've, I've had the opportunity to try and get that going. And uh, and as much as I love acting, like I'm I'm I had a better time uh, directing. And this is my first movie I directed, and it's about the genesis of MVP, a charity I co-founded with Jay Glazer. 
uh, that stands for Merging Vets and Players. We bring together combat vets, former professional athletes, and help them find purpose and identity when the uniform comes off. And this movie is about the genesis of that. And uh, the coolest part was we shot it in the middle of COVID, most, mostly veterans and athletes in front of and behind the camera, like playing themselves or people like Tony Gonzalez and Randy Couture and Jay Glazer and Rich Eisen and Howie Long and Michael Strahan. And then all these vets, every vet on the screen is played by an actual vet, uh, including Dan Loria, who is the father on the, the Wonder Years. Yeah. Oh. yeah. He's a Vietnam vet. He played Vince Lombardi in a play. Exactly. Also on one Broadway. Point. Yep. yep. So it was just, it was an incredible experience. It was something to do when we were all stuck in lockdown in L.A. and everybody left town, you know. So we were one of the only things shooting at that time. This is back in October of 2020, and now it's finally done. Uh, we screened it a couple days ago. Uh, it's about a, a Marine who's living in a homeless shelter in East Hollywood, and he's on Sunset Boulevard in this place that it's full of veterans, all Iraq and Afghanistan veterans. So it's a real place. We shot on location there. And he meets an NFL player who was a first-round draft pick, 10-year career, but you know, was always on bad teams and did, dealt with injuries. And, and now he's, it's a first year out uh, of football. And, he, and they, both these guys have, like, lost the uniform and that identity in the locker room, and they're just lost. And they find each other and kind of help each other through the struggles. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Are, are there going to be streaming options for this, for this film? Or we do, don't you know, ex- do you know There yet? will be. We don't know okay. exactly yet uh, dates and stuff. But, we, yeah, we got to screen it here two days ago. Uh, at LA Live, which is right across the yeah. street from where we're sitting right now, and we had 500 RSVPs, and we had to get an extra theater for the overflow. And that's great. I mean, people coming out of this theater, like like Kenny Main and and Sean O'Hara, uh, not to mention all the you know the vets um, that were like in tears. You know what I mean? And they were just like, dude, like that is real. Like I felt that, you know, because um, you got Tony Gonzalez, you know, on screen telling his real story about losing football and like 17 year career hall of famer and he felt like he didn't belong anymore you know that's that's real that's real stuff i'm gonna drop a drop a bad word bomb here in a second saved but us. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you know what i mean and and, and the veterans the same way that, that military experience losing that team losing that uniform and feeling like i've peaked and i'll never be great again that's scary stuff um but we can you know encourage each other together and like like me i found this i found filmmaking's my thing now and it's like i can do that uh and i can i can use my experiences but also uh, that work ethic i learned in the military and in football to to pursue this at the highest level or high as i can go anyway and and uh, we're just trying to remind people of that that's what jay's all about you know like like rebuilding us from the inside out and uh, remembering who we are being proud of our scars can't wait to watch it. It's yeah, going to be great. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. How many times have you watched it? <laughs> this was the first time in the theater. It's the first time I enjoyed it. I've okay. watched it a million times because I was in the editing room. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen every scene and every cut and every take. But this was the first time I sat there and was able to enjoy it and to have the audience in there. Like, you hear people sniffling and kind of tearing up, and you hear vets are laughing at the part that we're probably only going to laugh at. You know? <laughs> but I was like, yes, like this is this is. I was. I'm proud of that. I mean, we made it for nothing. It might suck, but uh, I don't think so. It doesn't I, sound like I, it. I think no. we did a good I'm job. Sure it I think we did. I think we did. We did everything that we could. So we'll be on the lookout for MVP. MVP. That's right. Nate, pleasure to sit down and chat with you, man. No, thank you guys so much. Really yeah. appreciate it. Our, our pleasure. Thank you. Nate thank Boyer you. has been our guest. Um, I'm not. I'm not certain. You didn't play much football par- prior to going to Texas, did you? Never. Never played. Never played. So I mean, think about that. He never played football. Ends up in the NFL. He, he walks on at Texas. 
Um, you, you haven't directed before, I'm assuming. No. <laughs> yeah. And now you've got the film going. Man, that's that's awesome. Thank now, you very much. Now, go make a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Put your mind to it. You can do it. That's next. If we make, make $100, I'll be happy. Yeah, we're gonna, he's going to have cryptocurrency yeah. next year here, yes. here on uh, Radio Row. We're right next to Crypto.com. I know, I know. Coming up, more from Radio Row here at Super Bowl 56 on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 rolls on with the Swiss Army knife throughout his career of the NFL. Lorenzo Alexander, uh, former, I, I was going to say former Bills linebacker, but you played yeah. every defensive position, did, did you not? I did throughout my career. You know, I played some D-tackle, defensive end, outside, inside linebacker. Um, even played a little safety in certain packages. Uh, <laughs> so it was um, definitely had a fun career, uh, uh, very unique in some ways, right, coming out as a D-tackle at 315, and then by the end of my career I was 240, 245. Ooh playing and so for me it was always just about getting the opportunity to go out there do what I love and it wasn't about starting it wasn't about being you know the man it was about being able to do something that I really enjoyed and had a lot of passion was and and and, and trying to find and help ways for my team to win and so it started off special teams and by the end of the career I became a you know defensive starter so it was fun every position and almost every team Panthers <laughs> yeah. Ravens yeah, yeah. Washington Cardinals Raiders Bills Right, so this is finished five? big with the Bills, yeah. but uh, do you consider yourself a Bill, or when you're that spread out, is it hard to designate yourself as no. a team? Well, as a retired player, anybody that wants to fly me in and give me free gear, <laughs> I'm aware if I play for you, right? You show but, up at all alumni weekends. Oh, yeah, what I'm right, hearing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you want me to come out and fly out? Okay, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll so, be in Charlotte this weekend for Panthers right, alumni weekend. Right, yeah. so I probably identify most with the Bills because that was my last organization. I was there for four years. Had a great time. The organization is really well ran from uh, Kim Pagula all the way down uh, to Sean McDermott and the culture that they created. And being a part of uh, a group of men that helped change the culture there has been significant in the most recent. But when I was in Washington, played there seven years, that's who I that's where I became a football player as far as, you know, making a Pro Bowl. Uh, I met my wife there. Uh, just so many teammates that are like brothers to me. So I'm all I also identify with them as well. Um but, you know, I, I don't discriminate. You know, if I have an opportunity, somebody wants me to come out and, and help out, talk to guys, part of my that where I played at, I'm, I'm more than happy to do so. You mentioned coming out of college, a 315-pound defensive tackle. Right. 
what does that do to the body when you get to your that size to your size? Right. Uh, there's obvious changes there, yeah. but how did you feel when that happened as a player? Well, my wife could wrap her arms around me. You know, that's, <laughs> that's probably the biggest difference. You know, at that point. But no, I, my knees feel better, uh, more efficient. Um, you know, I had lost a significant about body fat, and so I was still just as strong, but I didn't have to carry around all that extra weight. Um, and then it allowed me to play, I think, a lot longer uh, because I became more efficient, more aware, more intentional about my health as a football player that you see a lot of guys doing now, right? So whether it's TB12 or whatever other intentional guy spending all this money to take care of their bodies, I was able to figure that out um, young in my career and make that transition um, that allowed me to play, you know, 15 years in the league. And you see guys go one way or the other when they right. retire a lot of times. They yeah. either get really thin or they blow up. Yeah, and I'm not weight. going back. You did that early in your career yeah. is what's crazy about right. it. You don't see that that often. No, no, it's, it's definitely unique, and it, and it was out of necessity. It's not something that I thought I would do or wanted to do, but I, like I said before, I wanted to play in the NFL, and it wasn't about – uh, as a little kid, I didn't say, oh, I want to be the star all-pro linebacker, right? I wanted to play in the NFL, and I did whatever I needed to do to secure my spot on the roster. And as coaches asked me because they saw that I had the ability to do it, um, I, I tried to make the best attempt to change that. That, And, and a lot of times I had to lose weight in the offseason to enable to acquire the ability to do it at a high level. You started off at Carolina. If I'm correct, you missed Sam Mills by one year. Yes, but. But how much did his, he echo there? Yes, he selected to the Hall of Fame but last I'm, night. Yeah, I know. I was going to say this. I missed him, but I had his son, right? So his legacy lives on through mm. his son and all the other players that he impacted that I had a, a chance to be around. So Mike Rucker, Brinson Buckner, Dan Morgan, I'm obviously Sam Mills Jr. Uh, being able to rub up against those guys, even though I didn't uh, meet Sam personally, obviously the man who he is and who, or who he was and the impact that he had on those guys, I got a chance to get that second hand. And so um, it, it was really cool to be in Carolina. Obviously what he meant to that organization, all the things that he's done, the things that he overcame, um, and then watching his legacy through his son um, is, it has been really uh, a pleasure. Lorenzo Alexander, our guest, Joe Gibbs, Wanted So you were on the defensive line, no offensive line. He moved to the defensive line. Other way around. Okay. Yeah. And then, <laughs> it gets but, confusing. But then during camp, moved you back. <laughs> yeah, so like 2007, right? Yeah, so 06 is when I got there. So this okay. is where the story started. I got there in 06. I was on practice squad. Um, and so practice squad back then, you literally, I, I played every single snap that you could possibly take in practice, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, full pads, Joe Gibbs, old school, right? And so that meant defensive line, that meant offensive line, and all the special teams look squads to get the guys ready. And so out of that, they saw that I had the, the capacity to do certain things, block certain guys when you're going against the starters. And so when I came to uh, OTAs in 07 for the 07 season, started in O-line. And then when I got to training camp, they moved me back to defensive line. And then the first game of the season, I want to say Randy Thomas, who's our starting guard, blows his tricep out. And so the second week of the season, I moved back to the offensive line room. And oh. so I, that whole year I was responsible for knowing both game plans. And actually against the Giants, I ended up playing five different positions. You know, I played guard, D-tackle, DN, some special team stuff, all within one game. And so... It, was, it, it wasn't something that I saw for myself, but it's definitely unique, and it was, it's a special moment because I probably won a few guys that have ever had the ability 
or opportunity to do something like that. Is that that where they started calling you one-man gang? Yeah, yeah. So that came from uh, Fred Smoot and Sean Springs. They were just sitting around, man. So, man, you could... You could play a game by yourself, man. We we we, we gonna start calling you the one man gang. So it wasn't a self given name. It was something that was given to me by those two guys. And if you ever been around Smooth or Sean Springs, you know that they're fun jokesters. And uh, it was it was cool that those guys respected me enough to kind of give me a nickname. You also won an award that I think, if it's not been retired, it should be retired. You were the 2016 Pro Bowl Defensive MVP. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that there's such a thing anymore. Nah, not not, not no two hand touch, right? Two hand touch, you can't do it. Yeah, what did you do in that game? That was cool. Did and you it, record five touches in that game? Is that no, how you won that award? I, I, I actually had Jimmy Flag Graham. Pulls. Jimmy Graham got mad at me because I hit him in that game. So I definitely that was laying cats out, the, right? Award worthy. So that game was crazy, and it was that might have been like one of the times. I can't think it was Peyton or Eli. They got up and said, "Hey guys, they they trying to cancel the game. We guys, we got to play." And so you know, you all you go out there just trying to fill each other out anyway. And I can't remember, but I want to say, I think Thomas Davis was on the NFC team, and he started the whole thing. He hit somebody, crack. And then so after that, all the linebackers on the AFC said, "Okay, we got to step this up." And so. Uh, whether it was me or uh, who else was uh, Zach? Who oh, was Zach's last name? I can't Thomas? think. Of, uh, not Zach no, Tyler. I'm not that old. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was a time uh, he, played, time he actually warp. played in uh, with the the Titans for a little bit. Um, recently, Zach, what is Zach's last? Oh, I can't think on. of Zach. And then the linebacker um, that went to Buffalo. And then Pittsburgh's linebacker. Yes. Names are just. Oh, man, I can't think of his name. But we started going back and forth, just hitting guys and stuff like that. So I probably had like seven or eight tackles. And then after I hit Jimmy Graham. Kirk Cousins was the quarterback. Jimmy, they, they, he was upset, so they was trying to come back right back at me. We're in man-to-man again. He wanted to get a touchdown. Zach Brown. Zach Brown, there you go. He ran a, 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 like an over route coming across the middle, but because I hit him the last play, he kind of short-armed it, and then I finger-tipped the interception and then passed it to, to, to Tlaib, and Tlaib took it like down to the five-yard line to kind of end the game. And because of that and um, just some other plays I made in the game, they ended up voting me to Pro Bowl MVP. And I got a, a, a G90 out of it, G- Genesis, which is a, a pretty nice car to win at a, a at an exhibition game. What would you do with it? I have it. I drive it <laughs> every day. Yeah. To this why day. Well, to this day. Y'all nice. are actually looking on, to get a car. Huh? What do you yeah, think why would I? With it? I, 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 I hear people that win cars on prices right. They just, like, you know, they sell it. They, they flip it He's or give it to a prices, family member. Right? Yeah, no, nah, I needed a car. I was looking to buy one <laughs> anyway, so it was actually a I blessing. Needed a car. Yeah, I, I needed. That. I needed one. Yeah, I have. I have my 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 F one fifty. My wife has her minivan, and so we it's needed a, a date night. We needed a date night car. You know, and oh, so what better props. than that? Yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, G ninety. I, yeah, I, I, I you mean, know? I would keep you it. Got a ride in style. Yeah, of course, it's free. He would keep it, <laughs> but he wouldn't hit yeah. anybody. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Hutton uh, got laid out once in an NFL game by <laughs> Delaney Walker. I did. Oh, Working on the sidelines. Oh, yeah. oh man, Looking Delaney's the other way. a big boy too. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Mike Malarkey was the the coach of the Titans at the time. He stood at the first down marker, but he stood a yard past it. And I didn't realize at the time, I was, you know, this is what, eight, nine years ago. And Delaney was going to make his cut where Malarkey was standing. Right. And I didn't realize it. Malarkey moved out of the way. Uh. And Delaney caught the first down and just trucked me. I mean, just. <laughs> Truck. He did a pretty good job bouncing up. Yeah. We'll have to show you the video. You have, you right have to. You have to. You can't stay down there because that just adds to the embarrassment um, of getting right. ran over, it's right? A, it's a I'm much faster, it's it's faster game on the sidelines. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's a faster game. Lorenzo, all these NFL teams you were on, 
who was the most memorable fan base? I have to believe it's the Bills. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's, about this because of Ryan Fitzpatrick shirtless right. in single-degree weather <laughs> in the playoff game. And yeah. also the portable tables. Right. It's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not even close. Uh, and, and I love the other organizations. Washington is up there. They, when, the, when the team is winning, they're very supportive, right? They've had to put they up a lot. So they've kind of fallen off a little bit in disgust. But Buffalo Bills, I mean, they have a 30-for-30 30 30 special about who they are and what they do. I mean, and so that, that in itself tells you who they are. But just beyond the craziness that you see, the breaking the tables, cats with the, the mustard and ketchup before game, <laughs> taking shots out of bowling balls, they genuinely love their players. I can't tell you how many people have volunteered at community service events I've had. Like, help me, hey, what can we do to help, serve, donate? You saw the thing with Josh Allen. Um, they genuinely care about their their players uh, on and off the field, and they really made me and my wife and kids feel like we were from Buffalo, and that's why it's one of my favorite places. My my daughter cried when we left there. And is always trying to find ways to get back. I'm like, baby, it's cold. <laughs> it's, we're in Arizona now. It's cold there. So that's the type of uh, impact and influence that, that that fan base made on Did us. Did you return the favor by jumping through a table yourself? <laughs> I have not jumped through one, and I don't plan on jumping through one. I'm, I'm done I, with I don't that. either. I don't blame you. <laughs> you were here, Lorenzo, uh, helping with uh, the health and wellness initiative for, right. for black women. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, you know, it's just really cool to be, you know, when you, when you play in the league, you like to use your leverage and platform for positive. Positive and, and bring voices and obviously my mom I think about my wife and um, a, a ton of other women that are in my life that have sacrificed and done so much but have put themselves to the back seat right and we think about black women um, who traditionally don't have access to health care um, like other other demographics do uh, but do so much just like all women and wives do um, and so this black women's uh, health uh, uh, imperative group helps bring resources and support to making sure that they are empowered by understanding where they stand health-wise, right? So if you're doing great, awesome. But if you maybe have be in the early stages of cancer or maybe you're diabetic, be able to be empowered so you can have options and develop an action plan to fight that so you can continue to be the, the cornerstone of your family. And so that's what it's all about. Um, it's, it's, it's in collaboration with uh, the 23rd annual uh, gospel celebration that will air Saturday night at 8 p.m., and if you need any more information about resources or support, you can go to bwhi.org for more information. Zoe, Lorenzo Alexander has been our guest. Uh, final 30 seconds. Have you played with a smarter player than London Fletcher? Oh, okay, yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. I haven't at all. Not, Kyle Williams is a close second, but London Fletcher could literally, he's probably the only guy that I know could play the game and call a game at the same time. He could coordinate a game. He could coordinate a game and play it at a high level at the same time. I, I had heard that. Yes, and, and it's, it's real. So it's, it, it, in the huddle. In the huddle. He could, he could tell you, you know, whatever it is. He, he'll go, you know, over four, over four, cover three. Oh, what, what is it, third and seven? Okay, we, these, are, these are the call lists that, that's on the sheet. This is what we're going to call. Based on the game, oh, next time we ran this last time, let's do this. So he has the mental capacity to, to understand the flow of the game, understand his responsibility, everybody else's responsibility, and still go out there and play fast. That, it, it's, just, it's, 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 it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And I consider myself a smart guy. That dude is a, is a savant when it comes to the game of football. It's a gift. Yeah, yeah and he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's no doubt in my mind, in the era that he played in, he was one of the top-tier linebackers and is probably one of the all-time greats. He's got a case on his own, certainly. Sam Mills helps. 
those smaller guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. a door opener maybe. Right, yeah, and, and you know, right, you think about Ray Lewis, and, and my, in my mind he's up there, but because his name doesn't bring that same recognition, right, as Ray Lewis, but London Fletcher has, has the tackles, has the Pro Bowls. Um, obviously some of those Pro Bowls were because Ray was in front of him, right? <laughs> Zach Thomas, they all competing against each other for those Pro Bowls, but he has a Super Bowl ring um, and is a consummate pro leader and has made an impact on a ton of people, especially myself. And so uh, hopefully he gets in here soon as well. Good Terrific to, visiting with yeah, you. Good yeah, good to see you. I appreciate you. you guys. Lorenzo Alexander has been our guest. Stay tuned. A lot more coming. First, though, um, you got to check out FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash OK360. You can bet $5 and win $280 on 56 to 1 odds for the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. You bet 5 to win 280 It's got to be your first bet. FanDuel.com slash OK360. And sitting down with us now here on Radio Row, Bobby Okereke. Yes, sir. And he sat down and, and pronounced his name, and we were immediately upset because the first, the, the, the first question out of the gate from the Colts' perspective is when they, when they spell out the pronunciation of your name, you can say it multiple ways. In fact, we have been saying it Okariki. Yep. And we're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying it Okariki for a long time, you know. You I'm, have been. I'm a first-generation Nigerian immigrant, yeah. Nigerian-American. Uh, my parents immigrated here, so, you know, they kind of changed the pronunciation to make it Okariki, just make it easier for American phonetics. But I guess this is the year I was trying to, you know, honor my heritage and go back to the correct pronunciation. That's cool. Uh, brave is too strong a word for what you're doing here, but coming to Radio Row and sitting down with guys like us and we try not to be redundant and go down the, the common path, you know exactly where I'm going. The first question that you're getting everywhere is, what the hell happened to you guys <laughs> uh, down the stretch when everything was there for the Colts? Uh, and now Jim Irsay and everybody is saying we need a full buy-in next year, which makes it sound like there wasn't a full buy-in last year. Yeah. Um, you know, it was tough. You know, obviously we had that 1-4 start, not great. Uh, but we really got hot, went on that 8-out-of-10 uh, run. And, you know, last two games, we, we just didn't focus and finish. Um, and that's what's tough in the NFL. Every game's so competitive. Um, you know, we, got, we, we had all that momentum and all that juice coming off that big win in Arizona and then just kind of let down performances versus uh, the Raiders and versus uh, Jacksonville. So, uh, you know, really everybody's got to take their own individual responsibility and, you know, really show up and perform. Well, and you were part of a team that was the first team to be featured on Hard Knocks in season. Uh, what was that like? Did you notice it as it was happening? And then, unfortunately, it probably set ratings records for the last episode <laughs> <laughs> where everyone tuned in and everyone saw, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was cool. Um, I mean, you're not it's, – it's nothing new to have cameras at practice and, you know, at games. But what was interesting is in the meeting room and, you know, you have the little cameras just moving and, you know – you start walking in, it's like, is this reality TV a little bit? Like, how unfiltered can I be? But, you know, I think Coach Reich did a great job just keeping everybody focused and uh, locked in on football. Bobby O'Karake with us on Outkick 360. He said it's real simple. You just think of carrot cake. And then <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's yeah. a great yeah. device yeah. there. Thank you. Um, Darius Leonard gets the football back to the offense more than anybody I notice. And maybe it's because we're in Nashville and we see the Colts play twice a year against the Titans. But... What is it about Leonard and the knack for the football that he has defensively? Yeah, uh, it's a tenacity. Um, I mean, it's a mindset thing, first of all. Uh, but he just plays ultra-aggressive. Um, he doesn't back down from anybody. Size, speed, doesn't matter. 
Um, he's just ultra aggressive and he's a great leader for us. Matt Eberflus, now a head coach. Tell us the impact he's had on you and, and defensively for the Colts. Yeah, um, he's probably one of my favorite coaches I've ever had in football. And, you know, when he left, I told him, you know, you're a big reason uh, I'm the player I am today. Um, you know, his just his hits principle, hustle, intensity, uh, takeaways, and uh, smart, disciplined football, um, you know, really just kind of breaks down the game to that fundamental level. You played at Stanford. Um, pretty good school. <laughs> Last time I checked. Uh, obviously a very smart guy also. Um the Pac-12, you know, we saw Lincoln Riley roaming around. When USC is better, I think that it helps the Pac-12. Stanford, for Stanford purposes under David Shaw, has kind of fallen on, on hard times here recently also. What do you think just overall about competition in the Pac-12, where that conference is headed, and the mainstays of Stanford and USC, where those programs are headed? Yeah, I mean, you always got um, really those, like, powerhouse teams, Oregon, uh, USC, UCLA, Stanford. Um, but that's what the Pac-12 has always been, competitive guys. You know, they recruit West Coast or uh, Southern California. Um, so they're getting some of those top athletes. And, you know, everybody just wants to play ball and, you know, be on primetime. It's not a bad, not a bad spot to be either no, at sir. Stanford. <laughs> um, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame rivalry, you know, the rivalry matchups that you have, what do you remember about the college years? Um, you know, I remember that, uh, I believe, 2006, or 2015 game, Conrad Ukropina kicking that game with a field goal. Yeah. Um, fans, stadi- uh, students rushing the stadium. Um, and then big win in 2019, playing up against guys like Quentin Nelson. Um, you know, that's the game you really buck up for every year. How much have you talked to Gus Bradley, and what kind of difference do you expect now with a new defensive coordinator? Yeah, you know, I'm excited to meet him, uh, especially in OTAs, you know get in, kind of feel out the new system, but i uh, really heard nothing but good things from him. Best thing you've seen from your owner uh, with, uh, with the Colts on social media? Ursay Ur- loves the guitar. Yep. Um, he loves... Cowboy hat. He loves music history. Yeah, he's pretty swaggy. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's been obviously around the Colts almost his whole life. Yeah. And so after games, especially after losses, you know, he really just provides that just elite perspective to give our team that direction for the next game very outspoken after the bad ending you sense a a change in his involvement or or being out front a little bit more yeah i mean he wants to win uh honestly more than anybody else and you know he's an owner you want to play for he's not just sitting back you know you feel him he's in the locker room uh he comes and addresses the team so we really appreciate him he he seems cool like you could have a conversation with the guy and he's a a football dude right Um, but he released the statement or whatever on social media. We had the joke, and I think you'll like this, where we read the statement and we're like, is, is this a statement or song lyrics? You know, like, are we supposed to, like, did he sing You this? could strum a guitar to it, no, the, the, the statement. It pro- probably both, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> He's just smooth like that. What are, uh, what are the goals for you moving forward? Yeah, uh, Pro Bowl season, all pro. Um, you know, I feel like I've really just taken steps in my career. Uh, I think this year being a Pro Bowl alternate, leading the team in tackles, uh, and then that interception versus the Patriot game. Um, yep. That was just, you know, big steps going forward. Bobby Okereke has been our guest here on Radio Row, and um, he clarified the pronunciation. Tell us about Let's Hang Live. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be hanging with a couple dudes um, on Let's Hang Live uh, Sunday with Debo Samuel, Austin Eckler, Shannon Sharp. Uh, it's this cool virtual space where, you know, you can hang out with us ask questions, hear our stories. Uh, So that's going to be Sunday at 3.30 p.m. 
and it's letshang.live, or you can uh, check us out on my Instagram. Leading up to kickoff. Yes, sir. Awesome. Cool. That's good to meet you, man. Appreciate it. Bobby Okereke has been our guest here on Radio Row. Stay tuned. A lot more headed your way from Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wrapping up what has been a fun week on Radio Row with Outkick 360, Outkick.com, and Fox. Um, Outstanding job all the way around. Quick shout-outs to our entire uh, crew that put all of this together. Um, A list so long that I'll need to glance down uh, because of all the people that made it happen for us. David Reed, the chairman of the board, Jakob Swanson, uh, Jonathan Moulton, Ryan Albanese, um, uh, Tyler and Becca and Danny back at the studio uh, making it happen for us. Corey, uh, Adam and Ellie, uh, and of course, um, everyone here on site with Kelly and Lauren and Dylan. And if I left someone out, I probably did. We have so many people. Um, oh, it's, it's been a blast. I think you, I think you got all of them. Okay. Uh, thanks to Olivia also for the uh, OutKick there LA gear. Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, and sending it out to us. We'll be putting we'll take some a, of that on a little we'll, uh, take, we'll take a photo on that T-shirt a little bit later and, uh, and get it to her. But all, all of our interviews throughout the week, even some we did not air uh, that we recorded and uh, pre-taped, we've got those available for you. You can go to OutKick.com or download the podcast wherever you find your OutKick podcast. Well, it goes without saying, this doesn't happen. You don't see this. You don't hear this without everyone that makes it happen. And you just listed everyone who makes it happen. So huge thank you. Uh, to everyone and all their hard work this week. Terrific sure. list of interviews. Uh, I, I'm sticking with the Bengals. Uh, I've had a lot of stats that we've talked about this week. It's a gut feeling thing. I, I, I think they're a magical team on a magical ride. Not that the Rams aren't as well, but the Rams were expected to be here uh, by a lot of people. Uh, I'm not surprised that they're here. I'm utterly surprised that the Bengals are here. Uh, I, I think that they finish it off. I'm going to give you props to stay away from. Okay. Stay away from props that involve wide receivers winning the MVP of this game. If Cooper Cup has a fantastic game, if Jamar Chase has a fantastic game, if anybody catching the ball has a fantastic game, that means the quarterback is going to win MVP because the quarterback will have thrown them those touchdowns and thrown them those yards, and it's been proven. Just last night with the MVP, we'll talk about this more. Who got all the votes in the MVP thing after we talked about Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup all year? All the votes went to the quarterbacks. Yep, Aaron Rodgers. By the way, uh, thanks to Kayla Kinnearum also, oh, yes. uh, who's yeah. been doing some good work for OutKick throughout the week. So uh, that was the one person there on the uh, the end of the list. But everyone who helped make this happen, it's been a lot of fun. Who are you going with, Jack? I'm going Rams. Uh, it's weird that the trendy pick is the team that's not favored in this game. Um, I think the the luck runs out for Cincinnati in this game. I'm, I'm gonna not say, hearing anybody picking Cincinnati. I, I think the Rams cover. We're taking the points. I think it's I think it's a 31 to 21 type game. 31 21 Rams get it done. Matthew Stafford in year one gets it done. Wins a Super Bowl for LA. I, I want to see Cincinnati win this game. Oh, I do too. I'm picking the Rams. I want it. I'm rooting for Cincinnati cover openly. No? Um, I think the Rams cover. I. 
the, the, the playoffs have been spectacular, except for Wild Card Weekend. And we have not seen the Bengals play spectacular football. That's what it's going to take in this game against L.A. Although, I mean, L.A. plays field goal games too, you know. And, and I do think this is a game where both quarterbacks show up and play well. But I look at the depth at receiver for Los Angeles. I think they can establish some impactful rushing attack um, where going into the playoffs towards the final six games of the regular season, they were averaging around 75 yards rushing per game uh, individually. Um, Can they get that production on the ground? If so, I think that's a huge advantage to Los Angeles. And, And then, of course, the I can't stop thinking about the, the Bengals' offensive line and those issues going against Aaron Donald in that front. This is a defense that can get pressure with three. You don't even have to get pressure with four. This is a defense that can get pressure with three. I think that is a, a lopsided issue in this matchup. I'm, I'm taking tw- the Rams. 24-23. I, I'm not usually oh, yeah. a score guy, but I'm, I'm putting one out there. Just the only it. thing that worries me about the Rams is something we, we hinted at earlier. Matthew Stafford is more mistake-prone than Joe Burrow. The big game-swinging interception. We saw three of them in Cincinnati's win over the Titans in mm-hmm. Nashville. That would be my one caveat on my pick is that if, if there's one thing that worries me about this matchup for the Rams, it's Matthew Stafford making the big mistakes. And in he this got game. away with a biggie. And I think it would be mistakes plural tart, for Cincinnati to win. Tart drop one. Uh, for oh, the 49ers. Yeah, right. that, that was uh, a we'd giant. Be, we'd be discussing San Francisco in this game. We'd be discussing Jimmy G on his way out <laughs> of San Francisco trying to win a Super Bowl. Uh, it's been a, a fun week, and here's to what we hope will be a great Super Bowl. We're going to recap everything on Monday, um, and, and there's plenty of coverage through the podcast channels and online. Just subscribe to the YouTube channel or find us on Twitter. Just search out Outkick360. Um, look, if, if it lives up to expectations – this will go down as it will erase the wild card weekend from our memory. This will go down as one of the best playoffs that we've ever seen in the NFL, game to game. Yes. If, if this game lives up to the hype. It will. The championship games were good, and the divisional round was an all-time It was the all-time best. Weekend. You're not ever going to find anything the like that. The divisional round where all four games were decided on the final play. Yep. Five of the last six games in the postseason – going into Sunday, have been decided by a field goal or less. And this is a matchup where, you know, Vegas is saying, hey, this is this is a one-possession game late. Give me the Rams. Hey. I want Cincinnati to win, but I think the Rams oh, get it the, done. And the impact that it can have on both of these quarterbacks. Brace yourself, Nashville. We're coming home tomorrow. <laughs> we will be recapping it all on OutKick 360 Monday. Hope you'll join us and enjoy Super Bowl weekend. Listen, I gave you a week. I hope you've learned not to block the box and to lock your locks.